Uh, so my question is about uh, just body recomposition. So if to gain weight, you have to gain muscle and fat, and when you lose weight, you lose muscle and fat. Like, what's going to skew in your favor to to change your body composition for the for the positive? Nutrition, training, anabolic steroids. <laughs> yeah. well, like, what's, what's specifically about the the nutrition aspect? I guess like how. Uh, well, a lot of this is going to be... Let's see if you can hurry, okay? All right. This is, this is... You deal with this every day on the board. You ought to be able to do this in 30 words. Ready? I'm going to try. Go! Got it. Uh, high fiber, high protein, uh, pretty high carbohydrates, low to moderate fat. Don't make rapid changes in body weight. Right? unless you're very, very underweight, in which case this question is not really addressing you. All right. But if you are not really, really underweight and you're trying to gain muscle, then you shouldn't be gaining a lot of weight quickly. In fact, you know, gaining four pounds of muscle per month would be a, a great increase for somebody who's not a novice any longer and who's not underweight. Okay? So make your adjustments accordingly to carbohydrates and fat. But in general, if you're higher protein and you're hitting 35 grams of fiber per day, and you're not eating a lot of uh, dietary fat, and that, you know, generally people do pretty well. And I know I'm going to crucify it on the internet for saying, he said eat low fat, oh my God, what does that mean? It's easier to overeat on fat, okay? And so that caloric surplus that we were trying to get be goes from this to this in a hurry, you know, just because somebody said, well, fat is good in the diet. You're not talking 40 grams either when you say low moderate fat you're not talking about 40 grams, grams of fat yeah you're saying it's, it's i've seen you do lots of stuff it's pretty rare that you take somebody especially a guy like yeah. him under 70. it'd be 70 That's, or 80 grams yeah. 200 and you know yeah, what really gets adjusted is the carbohydrates right yeah. like your protein ends up getting it's proteins like 220 to 250 220 to 240 right yeah. same ballpark 70 to 80 fat and then you play with the carbs to gain a little weight lose a little weight make yeah. sure that your weight's going up a little bit at a time like at your age and your size, if you're getting six pounds a week, that's a lot of fat. A lot. Right. So he should aim for like a pound a week, right? Or somewhere in that yeah. ballpark yeah. if he's trying probably to gain. Little, and little. probably the same sort of thing. If you're losing six pounds a week, you're eating a lot of muscle. Right? Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. So a little bit at a time. All right, Rip. Friday night you kind of threw out that challenge with the, the cyclist. Right. And doubling his squat from – Right. Um, my question was, after I thought about it for a while, is, uh, you know, having that extra muscle, I, I can see that as an advantage, like, towards the end of a race, like in a right. sprint, which, you know, a lot of cyclists, you'll see that towards the end, there's always a big sprint. But, I mean, with that extra muscle and the extra oxygen required to fuel that muscle, I mean, may or may that not inhibit their performance? I mean, because their races are, what, 50 miles plus? Well, if you ask them, it will, sure. But the problem is, is that people that do this, that gain 15 pounds on this kind of program, do better. Okay. Yeah. You got any? Yeah, there's going to be some intersection where mass, absolute mass gain compromises performance. Sure. In like, a, and that's especially evident with, for instance, a climber. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. Climbing, running, I mean, especially yeah, especially climbing, but you know, running, right. cycling, swimming, this, that, and the other. At some point, the improvement in force production, right, is compromised by your, the inability to match the uh, uh, the new muscle with the 
with endurance. performance output. Yeah, yeah. And so, for, for, for instance, um, if you add uh, four pounds to a runner around their midsection, right, in general, it requires them uh, extra 4% energy to travel the same distance at the same pace. Okay, so four four. If I added that at your ankle, it's twenty five percent. So it matters where the mass is at. Four pounds of what? Though? Of ballast. Oh. Just so they add four pounds of body weight, right? With no improvement in their force production. Mm -hmm. If you add it around their, their midsection, it's about four percent increase in energy that is required for them to travel the same speed, all right, the same cadence, everything else. But if you add it at their ankle, it's twenty increasing twenty five percent. All right. Now, imagine if you added four pounds of muscle, how much more force production do you get out of that? Probably enough to make that, at worst, a net neutral sort of change. And if you leverage that properly through training, especially your running training uh, on top of because this stuff's relatively easy mm. compared to the dark art of improving running, all right, mm. uh, then you could probably see a, a net improvement with a small amount of weight gain. But at some point, the improvement in force production is not going to transfer over to performance, which is why the marathoner is never, might never squat more than 185, right? Mm. But he started at 65. Because he didn't squat. Yeah. Remember, we're not advocating that we change the man's sport. Right. We don't want to make him a power lifter. We want to make him a stronger runner. Okay. And when we do that, we have not compromised. I mean, you, you can't fail to understand that the bigger motor doesn't slow the car down. Mm -hmm. Right? The thing that is the weight gain is the thing that's producing more force. Mm -hmm. It more than compensates for its own presence. Okay. Okay. And we're talking about 10, 15 pounds. He gains 30 pounds. That's not right. appropriate training for that particular sport. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So if you had a, uh, a novice come in who had prior training injuries or just injuries in general. So when we're dealing with the squat, we have bad knees and the recovery is there except for the specific issue with the knee injuries. So you reduce volume or you have a light day thrown in early on. Is there benefit to having lower volume but keeping the weight high or vice versa? Or is it more dependent on how the individual reacts to that? Depends on the injury, right? Are you asking specifically about a joint, or so? It, I mean, it really does. It really does make a difference, right? We just have a degenerative knee that flares up when you. Squat That's probably going to be a frequency issue and a volume issue. So, for most people who have joint problems, they can usually still squat or lift heavy, and you have to back off of frequency or volume. It's usually the volume or the frequency or combination of both. So. With bad knee, they still squat heavy. They might not be able to squat three times a week. They may only can squat two times a week. Maybe they maybe they can't squat three sets of five. It depends on the age, right? If they're a 55 year old guy, maybe he can't squat three sets of five even two times a week. Maybe he works up to one heavy set of five and a back off set of five or whatever. Right? We look at the stress recovery adaptation cycle and figure out what he can recover for and and adjust the stress to make sure it's it's correct. What we found with joints primarily is joints joints seem to be aggravated by volume and frequency so and and the and the weight is not as big of a deal all right uh all right with uh insurance rates being what they are always on the increase um i know some companies yeah. and municipalities are going to wellness programs to lower insurance rates for their employees 
Right. Is that something Starting Strength would do if uh, one of those agencies or companies would reach out? And how would it differ from a seminar? Obviously, I've had, I've had two of these, that. by the way, already reach out to Starting Strength Online Coaching. And, of course, we're happy to do it. Guess, guess how many of the two took me up on it? When I told them what we were actually going to do. Because I just want to make sure that, I, that you know what we do. What we're going to do is we're going to squat, we're going to bench press, we're going to press, we're going to deadlift with all your people. We're going to do it two, three days a week. We're going to come, we'll write it. They're going to video themselves. They're going to send it into us. We'll go down and do some in-person actual sessions with your company. And what they wanted was they don't want to hear somebody that. to put them on a purple treadmill and let them read Cosmo magazine. That, that's what they want, right? Because, because yeah. the insurance company doesn't fucking care. Whether they're, if they get the same discount, whether I'm going and, and so if you're a CEO of a company, right, or just the head of human resources, and you don't know anything about this, and here's this big, scary 285-pound powerlifter that says he's going to put barbells on everybody's back, or we get the same insurance discount for the group health insurance, if I just put them on a treadmill, they're going to hire the guy that puts them on a treadmill. So that's it's probably, like, the, the, sorry, the reality is it's probably never going to happen with starting strength. Well, right. and here's another aspect of that. We will probably not be doing any more private jobs for government entities. Every time we end up going to a fire department or a college, a university or something like that, the thing's always a nightmare. It's always a paperwork nightmare. And we're not going to do it anymore. I, I'm not dealing with anybody's HR department ever again. Not going to do it. So uh, we just do better in a private sector situation like this. Trent has us into his gym, and we come here, we pay Trent. The answer is uh, you would like for this to be uh, more broadly accepted and more, more recognized as a beneficial thing for uh, everybody to do. We are narrow casting. I say this every seminar, we are narrow casting. You've heard me say this before. What do I mean by that? I don't mean that it, this only applies to a narrow piece of the population. That's not what I mean by narrow casting. What I mean is a narrow percentage of the population will understand that this is what they need and will do it. Because of the nature of this program. Okay, uh, and I, you know, I've, I've said disparaging comments about football coaches and, you know, earlier in the deal, but the fact of the matter is, is that this program is very simple. It's boring. It's not terribly complicated in terms of the number of exercises and the execution of the exercises, but most importantly, it is logical and progressive. It works every time it's tried. And a certain type of person finds that appealing. Now who's that type of person? Yeah, right? Well, about two-thirds of them. Because a third of these people will go home and not do this shit either. Yeah, that's true. But. I mean, they did show up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes a more intelligent person to understand this. 
remember the average IQ of a population in the, the United States population is about 105 now, right? And it's skewed upward a little tiny bit. Maybe it's down. Hell, US, I don't know. US, US was 100. That's the top of the bell curve, right? And you guys all know people with 100 IQ. You know, they're the kind of people that say, well, you know, greatest athlete in the world is doing it this other, doing this other stuff. I think I'll do that. They don't understand. And most people, the people you're talking about, the ones that need this the most, are not going to understand that this works for them, <coughs> that this can work for them. They think they're, I mean, it's counterintuitive to them. They've been told over and over and over and over that lifting weights is dangerous, that cardio is what you need, and that the way you get cardio is to run or ride a bike or walk from the parking lot into the store, right? So accepting that the logic of this kind of a system may be a little bit more than they're prepared to do. And that's the bottom line. We're not ever going to have, I don't think that we'll see in our lifetimes, a majority of the population admit that this type of productive, progressive strength training is the thing they need to do because there's too many people telling them otherwise. Too many people in positions of authority telling them otherwise. And it's too hard. And, and it's but, just hard. And, and, a, a and B, it's too hard. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line, too. Yeah, you could. Right. Fitbit says I'm good. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's that's an interesting. It's a combination. I think you're right of yeah. intelligence, and not be, not willing. And a lot of people start it and think that they're going to be mentally tough enough to get through the the novice progression. The the reality is the novice progression is super physically hard, but it's far mentally harder. Yeah. People quit. Right. Anybody can physically get through it. Anybody could. But a but lot of people, yeah, getting can't. under a thir the third set of five, when you don't know today if you can do the fifth rep of that last set. Now that's tough, and and, that, and barely and eking it out. Not only is it productive physically, but what is that? See, we talk about this all the it's time. It's refining, and this goes over everybody's head. What about the psychological benefit right. of a program like this? Yeah, you know. I mean, that's a, that's a terribly powerful moderating effect on all kinds of psychological disturbance. Here, for the next 30 seconds, you have to put everything else out of your mind. And you have got to think about shoving your ass up out of the bottom of a squat. You've got to make it deep enough and you've got to shove your ass up out of the bottom of the squat. And you get under the bar and you work through that set of five and you do it. That teaches a man something about his brain. No, it's, this, super, this is, it's a super refining process at every level. It's refining mentally. It's refining emotionally. It's refining socially, right? What it does, it's amazing. Watch the people that are super introverted, mousy, haven't gone through the linear progression, go through the linear progression, and gain the confidence that they never knew they could have, right? This is, by the way, this is why females need to do this. 
Not that not that females are only mousy, one. Right? No, but it's not. No, no, what no. You just said, Listen, right? let me explain. Makes not because they're me, the right? only ones that have confidence problems. No, right? not because they're the only ones that have confidence problems. Because I was a skinny little nerdy junior high kid who had confidence problems, and I did the same thing. I've just watched so many more men gain the confidence through barbell training. And I know is available to females as well. Yeah. And they haven't gone through it. I watch people like Nikki. I watch people like my wife. I watch people like Nan, wherever she is, go through this stuff and, and be all of a sudden, they're not, their identity isn't caught up in body image, what other people think of them, likes on Instagram. They understand there's something more, there's something greater to this than that. And it changes everybody. And then the, so then the reality is that for those of us that have figured it out, we want that for everybody. But it can't be. It won't be for everybody. Because there is a, there's this. It's just too this, damn bad, too. It, it's going to filter people out who aren't tough enough to do it. I mean, though, you guys that have come to this seminar understand something that the vast majority of the population will never understand. And chances are you learned it under that barbell. Right? This, this is a, an important thing to do. And it's just a damn shame that the people that need it the worst are the least likely to do it. Okay. Anybody else have a question? Yes, sir. Okay. You got a mic? Yeah. Okay. All right. Tactical fitness is the functional fitness for the law enforcement and military community. Could you please, uh, given that strength is the primary concern and should be, could you please clarify for the internet? And for anyone else who's listening, what the secondary and tertiary training priorities should be for those communities? Well, why are those communities any different than any other community? In other words, tactical fitness, you know, where you do all your exercises in black fatigues, right? Is it's just as complete a bullshit as functional fitness is. Agreed. So let me clarify for the tactical fitness community that is watching this on the internet. You guys, the charade is coming to an end. All right. You guys have sold this bullshit to people who desperately need to be stronger for a very long time now. They've not gotten any stronger. You're not helping them. You're not keeping them from getting killed. You're not enabling them to do their job any better. All you're doing is selling slots in your little bullshit functional fitness courses. The jig is up. Hey, Rip, you ain't, you ain't never been tactical fitness before. How do you know never that? Never been tactical. How do you know that? So, so I run a I run a class called Fight Strong, with uh, which is basically a starting strength seminar, where you don't coach and we do the we do the four slow lifts, and it's for that tactical community. And the idea that I that I preach early on is that is that mindset's a big piece of this. Strength is the basis of all human movement, athletic movement, and that what these tactical guys and ladies are doing is really they need to view their tactical stuff like it's a sport and practice it and get strong in the weight room. 
right? So if you want to practice force-on-force training sort of stuff, like real-world scenarios, I'm stuck at a gas station and somebody holds me up, what do I do? Somebody tries to kidnap my kid, what do I do? I'm a, I'm a contractor in Iraq, what do I do? That's all stuff that needs to be practiced, just like I was a, a, a playing a sport. That has to be practiced. Right. It has to be work trained. Work on the range. There's all that practiced. work on the range. All oh. that stuff has to be done. And then you just get strong here. You get generally strong because it prepares you and makes you harder to kill, yeah. which is your quote, right? Right. Yeah. There's just, just said it a few minutes ago. And, and this, I mean, this is the most important thing of all. What makes you, if you're fighting for your life, you're, I mean, you're literally, you're fighting for your life. Yes. Okay. That third set of squats and that fourth set, yes. that fifth set might might save your ass someday. Yes, because you, because you know that you're capable of doing things that you haven't previously done. Precisely. And where do you learn that? Under, under the bar. bar. That's where you learn it. Is under the bar. Well, so and just to while we're transferring the mic, so. J- James, the, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how people should actually train and how training works. Because when you're trying to sell people on, all right, we're going to do this lifting stuff, but it's not really lifting, and we're going to do all this extra conditioning stuff, and, you know, it, 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 it's hard, it makes you sweaty, and, you know, there's a gun involved or some weapon or some sort of, like, maneuvering that's not necessarily specific to your needs, right? Well, we all know now, having gone through the programming lecture and having read about training long enough, that well, that doesn't—that's not going to work optimally. Of course not. This is stupid, right? But when the people leading the seminars don't understand that, and the people paying to go to those seminars certainly don't understand that, and the leadership in charge of those units certainly don't understand that, well, that's the problem. That's why things like tactical fitness exist. It's a fundamental misunderstanding at the core level, yep. right? And that's the same thing in the military, law enforcement, um, all this stuff. And, and so, and, and college football. It's a fundamental we, misunderstanding. Fundamental misunderstanding of this whole model we talked about this afternoon and Friday night. Okay. Uh, I'm asked occasionally what would be the greatest difference we could make with starting strength. As far as I'm concerned, the greatest difference we could make is if the starting strength model were adapted, were, I'm sorry, adopted as the basic training model in all of the military. You've got an amazing opportunity there to create a race of monsters. You've got 18, 19-year-old kids with poisonous levels of testosterone that you are in complete control of. 100% of their daily activities, you're in in control of. We send them to the weight room three days a week. Three days a week, these kids get under the bar. They're yelled at by ugly drill instructors, high levels of motivation. You feed them 5,000 calories a day. How long does it take to completely change the nature of infantry? You know, we don't run five miles anymore. It's 2017. We don't run five miles on the battlefield. We have equipment for that now, right? But things turn to shit frequently. 
and the strongest guys in the unit are the ones that ultimately get relied on in these kinds of situations, right? How many of you guys have combat experience? Has that been your experience? Has you know, those, those guys with you with combat experience, how many times has the guy with the five mile time fixed everything? Right? You all know that, don't you? But a whole bunch of people don't. And they're the ones whose minds have to be changed. They're also the ones whose minds cannot be changed. Yeah, we're just going to need a good flu. The right. Spanish flu. If you look at if you look at what those guys are doing, it's uh, it's what we talked about during programming. Your your training in the gym should not look like your job or your activity. So the the tactical athlete guys take a, a set of what they think are tactical things like uh, running quickly to a certain spot and then picking something awkward up and then throwing it around and doing something else like hitting something or shooting something. So anyway, um, it, it, what all they're doing is is doing exactly what we just said not to do, right? So they're you're practicing, they're practicing instead of training. Exactly. They're practicing exactly. it wrong. Because yeah. and practicing it wrong. Yeah. 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 So and, and practicing it wrong because it's not specifically replicating the thing that you're trying to train. Yeah. So right? your your answer is that you, you go to the gym to get strong, to get conditioned, and then you practice your shit to to practice. Yeah. You know.